Should old acquaintance be forgot, Johnny? Hmm. So another talk about that. We're all getting a little older. Get a little older, a little wiser. No. They spelled it with an A in old English. Did they? Wiser. Twenty twenty is over, bro. We did it. See ya. Bye. Are you like one of those like? I'm so glad it's over. New as, Year, as new if, me. Yeah, like getting into the new year suddenly makes last year go away? Or? Well, I think it's both. Like, I'm definitely like a I trend towards cynical. So, like, when I see people be like, it's going to be different. Like, you're like, it's another day. It's just, a, you know, this is a... Yeah. But then part of me is like, we mark time and there's rit- rituals important. And, like, it is a new year and it is a fresh start if we make it that. So, yeah, I'm oh. excited about the new year. Yeah, I do. I think I think it, it is a... It is a um, <clears throat> you know, I used to have a whole idea called no arrivals. If you remember that, mm-hmm. and I would talk about arrival points. Yeah, and that is like there's these moments in life where it's like you're 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 kindergarten, and then you're in like 12 years old, 13 years old. You're a teenager. Yeah. Then 16 is your next arrival point because you're going to get a driver's license, and then like people live between arrival points. They're always thinking about the next one. Ooh, now if you're 16, you only worry about being 18 because then you can be an adult. Ooh, if you're 18, you only worry about being 21 because now you can drink. Ooh, if you're 21 now, you're thinking about getting married or like it begins to move away from uh-huh. chronological and more into like, you know, things. So I, I, I believe that like those are just a reality of life. I used to say we shouldn't live like that. Always thinking about the next arrival point. You know, I think that in some ways there's no way not to do that. You know, you're always thinking coming now I'm thinking, okay, Sadie's in middle school. Now I'm thinking about, I'm, right. not, I, I'm living today, but I'm always thinking of the next thing we got to get to a checkpoint. But that being said, New Year's is that moment. It's like a natural built-in checkpoint. Like it's a, okay, we are going to reset. Okay, I got to get ready for taxes. So it means I have to reevaluate all of last year's financials. I have to, you know, hey, I cleaned out my garage, man, uh, last few days. The worst. Three truckloads of stuff. Stuff that you thought you to needed. To the dump. Yeah, took it away. We, we got really. You didn't, you didn't want to donate any of it? I get where you're coming from. I have, we still, oh, and a truck. Don't want to. And a large car. You don't want to help the needy. You <clears> just no. got to. It's true. That's true. I drove. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we have stuff for Goodwill as well. So, yeah. but I threw away like, dude, I threw away stuff. It's one of those, my wife has a, has, she has good clarity. Like she'd be like, John, if we have not used this in three years of living in the house. Like I've how- heard it's a year. If you don't use it in a year, the best thing is to throw it out. Cause like a year would, would count Christmas decorations. Yeah. That would loop those in cause you've used it in a year. But if you've not used it in a year, you got to chuck it. Yeah. Oh, we did. We chucked all kinds of things. Yeah. I even chucked, like, do you keep old bins? Yeah. Plastic bins? Don't, don't <laughs> Curry's laughing right now. <laughs> Curry is somewhere. She's pulled to the side of the road. <laughs> I have about 40 bins. Oh, wow. Stacked up, just in case I ever need a bin. With the lids stacked inside of them? Yep. Uh, vertically? They're in the top. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're in the top edge uh-huh. where you just put them inside one of the bins. Wow. And uh, it's, Yeah. And I need a big bin to put those in, like a gigantic. <laughs> it's too many. When we moved, we didn't get a moving truck. We used a friend's trailer, and we just put everything in those bins. So I have like a million little bins, and then we would just slowly we moved over, you yeah. know, from only a few miles away. So we were able to move that way, and so then we just had all these bins. And I said, "Well, we'll save these because you never know when you're going to need a bin." Yep. And when I was when we were in the band, I had a bin problem. Because I, I always wanted to need a bin for cables. and So I still have some bins from the old band days where they say, you know, mic cables on them or whatever. And yeah. I've kept those. So We threw away bins. Curry I would th- say it's my bin addiction. So. 
That's <laughs> a really <laughs> churchy bins. word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had that stack of bins and with the lids coming out the top. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I threw them away. Cause you they threw get, the bins away. I did. I threw the bins away. Wow. Like I did. Cause they're taking up so much space. There used to be a guy who'd have a bit who had a bit about how hard it is to throw a trash can away. <laughs> and it's a really funny bit, but basically he puts it out with the other trash. It's an old, like dinged up trash can, puts it next to the other can. Trash guys come, they, empty they throw it, it away. <laughs> uh, they empty it and then they put it right back down. And he goes, so finally, I think the end of it is he writes on it. This is trash. He writes it with a marker. <laughs> this is trash. And then he comes back the next day, and on right next to it in marker, the trash guy has written, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who that bit. It might have been a Mark Lowry, an old Mark Lowry bit or Ken Davis bit. That's one of those funny. guys. Yeah. No, I threw, listen, here's the thing. I know, man, I did, I, and then the next day mm-hmm. when I went back to continue in the garage, yeah. I needed a bin. Oh. And I was like, ooh, but. Bro, this, that will preach. The good news was. I ended up throwing the thing away that I thought I needed a bin for because I didn't have all these bins sitting around to yeah. keep hoarding things with. Mm. So when you get rid of the Johnny, I, I stopped you get making rid of the container. You start making room, stop making provision, if you will, for all the junk, you know? Yeah. So if it's junk and I don't have a bin for it, it just goes in the trash now. Yeah. So anyway, man, but do you have, are you a knickknack house? Do you guys have like little knickknacks and bric-a-brac like on mantles and things Yeah. that you need? Cause I think that's, we have some of that. We've not hung up a lot of things. Like we've talked about that before. That I don't have a lot of pictures in my house. Yeah. I have a lot of pictures and frames that are in bins. <laughs> and I think it's I don't know, if you wanted to psychoanalyze me, you'd say like, I never want to get comfortable mm. somewhere. Let's, that's, un- that's let's unpack that. Jimmy. I think it's just because I'm lazy. <laughs> you know, here's part of it too. When I walk into somebody's house and they have like forty two pictures of their family on the wall and yeah. they're perfectly centered and perfectly I'm like, how did they grid all that out? Like, yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to hang things wrong, and it's going to be like, who decorated in here? Yeah. So I just leave, So I have a lot of bare walls in my house. I have some that have one picture or whatever, too. But. My wife grids it out, so yeah. she'll stand back, and I have to stand there, and she'll be like, okay, no, to the left, an inch or whatever. Yeah. But, but do you do, the, like, the laser line thing? No. You don't I'll have use one a, of those? I'll use a level. I got a big four-foot So level. I need Laura to come. Yeah. We need, a, we need a project day at the house. But here's the thing. The bins. I'll man. pay you in bins because you're <laughs> desperately in need. I just decided. Look, <clears throat> we'll go buy a few. We'll buy a few bins if we need it. It'd be better because they're they're all they're dirty. That's the thing. The garage gets so dirty that because my yeah. lawnmower is catching you can't, my garage. You can't rinse out these bins to reuse them. You're right. It's not that they're then you're wasting the water. They get warped, so like the lids don't fit anymore, and they don't stack evenly. I think this is a very. I think this you're is justifying entitled. The, yeah, yeah. You Sorry, just, guys. You I just threw away a hundred dollars worth of bins. In a, they're in a landfill somewhere, yeah. destroying the planet. And you're like, yeah, but they got warped. <laughs> and this is a non-COVID cough, by the way. That's totally. I don't know. It's seventy degrees today. Today is New Year's Day, and it has gone from like thirty. Uh-huh. A few days ago to seventy, yep. so this is a pure allergy cough, Johnny. Hopefully, <sighs> we'll find out. Dry, f- and that the COVID thing, it's dry. We'll find out in a few days. So, mm-hmm. you still do dry heave? Dry? Oh, uh, Arizona makes yeah. me nauseous, but it's a dry heave. Yeah, yeah. I've done. I do that joke. That's my favorite. I do it a lot if I'm out west too, because they there's only there's certain jokes I do in certain regions of the country that land harder there. Yeah, like um, when I'm in Texas. I say, if you live in Texas and you own a company that sells security alarms and you don't call it Whataburglar, 
<laughs> what are you even doing? But that joke wouldn't really land here because we don't know about Whataburger. Right. right. Although yeah. we're getting ready to get one, I've heard. I did hear that. Where? Uh, Murfreesboro, uh, maybe? I'm not driving there. Come on, dude. Dude, Murfreesboro. Murf- might as well be in Alabama. Murfreesboro's where it's at, dude. Murfreesboro. <laughs> no, I don't know. They're a college town, though, so they got they got good restaurants. Yeah. Shout out to Murfreesboro uh, listeners. Yeah, no, we, I, I don't hate both your Both of you, whoever you are. You're just a long ways away. Like, 840, in theory, puts me in Murfreesboro really quickly, but it's still a long drive, man. It's a long drive. Who's got time for that? I think you're being regionist. <laughs> First, first, I'm throwing away perfectly good bins. Yeah. Hey, you know the the irony of all this was, is I had this shelf, this plastic shelf, with an elf on it, and then on top of the shelf, I had two other deconstructed plastic shelves uh, strapped together. I had shelf on a shelf. Is what I had. <laughs> it's a new thing. Yeah, and so literally, I'm shell. I'm storing. That's a very dad thing to have. Yes, a shelf with and two shelves. The, and on the shelf, you're like, in case I need these shelves later. <laughs> By the way, I had a, had a moment on Facebook this morning. I woke up, and I've been getting this. You get ads that target you, you know? Uh-huh. And I don't know how this started targeting me. But I've been getting this one that's like, it's not a belt, but it's like this thing that's like a Velcro clip thing that you put between two belt loops. It's, it's a fanny of, pack. No, no, no. It acts as a belt. It like has, it pulls just tight just those two belt loops, so you're not wearing a belt with a buckle digging into you all day. But it's like, it, they, call it, they call it a belt bro. Wow. And I was like, oh, it looks kind of lame, but I never tuck my shirt in. I wear a shirt, you know, hanging over there, my belt line anyway. So I'm like, and I, I get stopped in security because my belt, evidently, they've, they've ramped up the sensitivity of these machines now. Right. So even though I'm pre-check, I get dinged. I got to take my belt off. And your belt, Lou, your, your belt buckle is like pure 14 karat gold. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I spent, yeah. I made a lot of money this last year. I don't know about you, but I had a pretty good year. No. So I'm like. And literally, the first thing I did, woke up, and I looked at my phone, and this belt bro ad comes. I've seen it a few times. I'm like, I'm buying the belt bro. So I bought this belt bro. and uh, <laughs> bought this belt, bro. Which rhymes with Velcro, which is what it is. It's, it's, it's a horrifying. And again, if anyone ever sees it, it looks horrifying. It mm. looks, it's a very dad thing to buy. It's like horizontal suspenders. In essence, yes. Yeah. It just cinches up just that one area of your pants. But it, again, they yeah. could have got a better name for I it. I like the idea of it and the idea that we're just going to stick with belts forever, that we never can improve on the technology. We're just going to go with belts until we all die. Like, that's dumb, too, to me. So <laughs> here's what happened, though. I buy this thing, and I'm not kidding. I'm stick with belts. Immediately, I got another ad for, like, this turns any shoes into slip ons. And they're these little, like, <laughs> stretchy, stretchy faux, uh, Shoe laces that go between all the, so it looks like your shoes are lace ups, but they're actually Skechers now. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, I'm a boat dad now. I'm like, a, yeah, these are going to be great. Can't wait till spring, get these things out there. <laughs> like, oh no. So now Facebook knows. Uh huh. Did you order those Terrible too? taste. No, I didn't get those. So Facebook got off. me I this I still morning. make little bows in my shoes. It must be New Year. I wonder what their rate of sale is off of their ads because t- this morning I woke up, there's a thing I've been looking at. Yeah. For like two months, and they keep putting the ad in front of me, wow. and I've, I've now. Yeah, they wore you down. They did. I like. I've. I've. What I've, did you buy? Uh, meandered through a third it. shelf to go on your shelf. I got a third shelf, a <laughs> shelf shelf on a shelf. Uh, I got. It's called Remarkable. It was. It was. It was okay. an expensive thing actually. But my wife was like, because I just had a birthday, I had a little cash given to me. She was like, you should get this, and I'm starting a new Devo thing daily. I hate saying Devo, by the way, but I just said it. So it's the thing I'm telling you. It's uh, a Bible recap with Larry. Ke- <laughs> Not Larry. 
you say Larry? You with Larry King. With Larry King. Tara Lee Cobble is her name. That'd be great. Bobble Cabal Larry King, he was there for a lot of it, so. Tara Lee Cobble, which you guys should go Moses is with us from Walla Walla, Washington. Go. Anyway, it's this Bible recap thing, and and I really do yeah. better when I'm journaling, writing by hand. But it's chicken scratch. So for like, remember you remember for years, I I did a daily journal. Yes, and I would keep then the pages. Read it to me like do like the end of Doogie Howser every night. And call me, <laughs> and it would be whatever you learned that day. The, I did it. I did it from like oh nine to yeah. fifteen, and I had two thousand handwritten pages that I've scanned. And it's like this, it was amazing where I went and it was this amazing spiritual journey. But here's the thing. It's chicken scratch and it's a PDF and, or it's pages and I don't ever look at it because I can't search it. So occasionally I'll go, I'll be, you know, preparing something for a book or a sermon. I'll be like, man, I I remember studying this because I would do a lot of Hebrew and Greek study and I, it's not like I can ever go find it. Yeah. Is all by date, you know. But so can you convert those old pages into your schmoopty? Well, I don't know. That's a question I have, maybe, because oh. technology keeps coming along. But it would take, listen, I'm not sure technology will ever yeah. progress to the point that it could convert my handwriting. Into- I don't think my technology would ever progress to the point where I would want to read your 20-year-old chicken scratch <laughs> into a dictaphone. Well, that's the point. Like, it's a... I, I haven't needed it, and that's part of the way. So do you look is, at that and go, "Man, I was a good writer," or do you go, "Ooh"? Oh, I look at it. I told Laura this morning. I always assume my past self was an idiot. Yeah, but that's my default assumption. Uh, some of that came from a good place. It didn't start that way. My twenties, I thought, "Oh, this is good," you know. And then, like by thirty, when I begin to realize I'm not so good, you know, like mm. this is not. And so then, then I had this humbling. Oh my gosh, I've been self-righteous my whole life and didn't know it kind of experience. So now I trust nothing of my past, which is probably way too far. Right. Now I throw it all away. Occasionally I'll look at something and go, oh, that's not so bad. But usually I don't even go to it. I just assume it's garbage if it's I It's going to be it. weird. Like the child stars, I think that's what messes with child stars. Like if you peak uh, as far as fame and you're eight years old or whatever, because you said, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah. And then you have to just, like if you're Gary Coleman... You may go on to be a better person, but you're still in this time warp or this snow globe of people's yep. memories as this was your peak. And what have you done lately? Yep. Oh, yeah, he's, he's not working as much anymore. And you have to live in that thing. So it's like, I think you're better off being like under the radar growing. And But yeah, you, like you say, you don't want to go too far and be like, I was garbage back then. Yeah, I struggle with, like, for example, it's funny we talk about this because I told you I found all those old Scarlet Thread, um, our old band videos. You've been watching them every night? No, just like uh, no. What little single, I've watched. A single tear. What little down. I've watched. Just the like, band's going to make it, John. Like, this is why I begged Johnny to be the lead singer. Because in the early days, you were you didn't want to sing, and I thought I could sing. And then, like, I began to realize. I had that I realization. Think I wanted to sing, but you wrote all the songs. So what was I going to say? Like, hey. Yeah, let me sing these songs you wrote. I felt weird because I wasn't well, writing. Well, but any I of wanted that. you. I think the way the th- you want to be more of a front man, and I was very shy. I was very, you were shy, and yeah. I wanted you to write with me. But you didn't want to. You're like this next one I wrote. You would have there was <sighs> so much exposition. Yeah. Between the songs in our concerts, it was like a it was like a rock opera. It was like me. It was like a one man show. <laughs> <laughs> this next song I wrote was on the way to. I was, uh, I was on no, a road they, trip with my dad, and they pretty much he said to me, son. Let's get some corn nuts. We <laughs> I call this in. one 
Cool Nut Odyssey. <laughs> Most of my songs, I realized back then, were condemnation over yeah. lust songs. That's 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 what you write in your early 20s when you're trying not to have sex with your girlfriend. Yeah. So it's all about how horrible a person you are and uh, how God must be just not able to even endure or tolerate you. So I realized a lot of my... Of You're going to get all that converted to digital. You're, <laughs> all that writing that you did. I was going to say, I, look, I found old notebooks in the attic because I was cleaning out that stuff. I was like, okay. It was a part of where I was. I just wish I would have, I wish somebody could have gotten through to me and then maybe they tried Yeah. about like, hey, you know, this is the real gospel. Because it really, the gospel to me was based upon my badness. Yeah. Trying to be goodness, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and my behavior. And so, yes, it was good that I attempted, you know, to fight temptation. I'm not saying there was no merit in it, but it literally defined. You remember that all the songs were about, I mean, I think I had a song called what a wretched man I am. Remember that one? Oh boy. Uh, (laughs) They were so, they were so dark and, and self effacing that they were really self centered. That's really what they were. Yeah. They were all about me. They weren't about God, you know? Well, and you think that if you acknowledge how awful you are, that it's as good as changing almost like, yeah. well, at least I know that I'm a jerk. At least so. I feel bad. Yeah. 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 Everybody's awful, but I know I'm awful. So I'm still better than you. Right. You know, it's, it's like a self, it's like a self-righteousness. Vibe. It is. It's like self, self condemnation somehow justifies yeah. and makes it all okay. There was a pastor, uh, <clears throat> I went to a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and there was a guy, this was back when Avis, uh, car rental had their slogan, Avis, we try harder. And he was like, that's the kind of gospel that people are employing now. Yeah. It's like, well, we still have the highest, we still have the same divorce rate. We have the same, same issues going on, yeah. but we try harder around here, yeah. you know, in Christendom. And it's like, it really is an indictment, but yeah. So there is that, but yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know, John. I mean, I think you're a little hard on yourself as you were back then. I mean, you learn, you were learning and you're, you know, it's, it's, figuring it out. Well, my region, my recovery program, one of the things I, I learned about myself is, is I, above all else, seek to avoid wasted opportunities or wasted time. It's a big, big deal for me or a mm-hmm. wasted relationship. So like if, if something, so I feel a loss deeply because I sense its potential mm-hmm. or I sense the amount of time I've put into something or that they've put into me. And that that's why my relationships generally last a long time. My job, I've been here 18 years. Like for me, it's all about investment. I'm not, I don't mean to sound so like transactional. I don't mean like investment. I get something out of it, but like it's, I'm a loyalist Enneagram. So like for me, you know, I remain loyal because my value is right. found in the things that I've you know put my life into or been yeah. put into me. So it's not all just give and take. I just mean like, yeah. If, to me, it's about the it, I'm same same way in a lot of ways. But I think it's not even like I even get the good parts of it. Like, oh, I've invested and in, look at all this stuff that I have. It's more that I'm af- so afraid of the yes. bad. I'm afraid, and of I live with, with that dread uh-huh. of wasted my opportunity or wasted my moment or wasted this yep. relationship or it didn't work out like I thought it or like, like you talk about tax time. I'm looking back. You're, you're kind of, you're forced to look back at all the things that you spent your money on. And that's a weird moment yep. for you to go, Oh gosh, this was a terrible year for me as a comic. But also like, what did I do with it all? Yeah. The stuff that I did have, you have to look at it all and you don't want to look at it. Oh yeah. It, it, it tortures me. Yeah, I, I've I've become a little more free from that, um, 
but this idea of not waste. So when I look back and, and go, oh, my past self was an idiot, and yes, that's a that's not the best. There, there's a lot of truth to it, <laughs> but a lot of that's about wow, I wasted that first decade and a half in ministry. I wasted it on a watered down version of looking at Jesus. Not just the way I preached or the way I taught others. I was actually way more grace filled towards people than I was towards myself. Yeah, because I didn't understand. But I still wasn't handing them that as a, like, oh, this is a really radical. We say this sometimes, but I think it's such a key. This is like the most, this is the most enlightening part of of the way we believe the gospel. That that, that this idea I'm about to say that I think people can't get, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like you said, that I love the whole we try harder thing. But like to go down that line to really understand the way that the modern American especially church goer thinks of the gospel this is what always gets me when paul preached the gospel mm-hmm. he anticipated a question from he was writing in philippians he anticipated a question from the people who were reading it and it was so i could hear it basically saying i could hear you now you're saying can we just continue in sin that grace may abound or can we just do whatever we want it doesn't matter you know and he obviously the answer was no, and that's where we all that's where preachers take it. They're like, oh, uh, you know, that's why we don't con- we don't continue in sin that grace may abound. Like I don't believe that that's the. F- I think yes, that's a takeaway. I think that, that we're kind of missing the context of something here. Really, really key. It's that the kind of gospel Paul believed and expressed was so radical that it, he had to cut off that possibility of a question. Because it was going to lead the people listening to think it could be that, that free. Mm-hmm. It was obviously not his point, but think how radical it had to be to even come to that conclusion. And if you juxtapose that or overlay that upon the modern church, upon John Driver's uh, all of these years now of sermons and all these things, how many times did an adult or a kid walk out of one of my sermons and go, my God. This whole Jesus thing, are you saying I can just do whatever I want to do and it doesn't matter? Like they never got something so radical mm-hmm. that for a second they thought that. They right. probably got the opposite. Right, that they had to go modify their behavior in some way. Yes. To, to, because God's angry with them otherwise. And so I'm not advocating continuing in sin that grace may abound. Obviously, neither was Paul. I'm just saying I don't know many of us out there whose gospel even gets somebody – thinking like that like yeah. that they would even have the possibility of it and i think it reveals how non-radical it really is it's no wonder the world's like and our friend one of our friends uh sent me a twitter post where someone said all right all the non-christians out there i want you to describe christians in one word oh right yeah i saw that you know and it was just like yeah, very sobering. Uh, bigot. Uh, well, that's what you would. That's what you would expect if you're talking. Yeah, but. exactly what you expect. But we would all kind of roll our eyes, eat, you know, and go, "Oh, that's just the world not hating Christians." You know, Jesus said that they would hate us as they hate him. They're right about a lot of the stuff they said. Like mm-hmm. we really are. Um, I'm not. I'm not speaking of. We we take it down to the morality of it. I don't think that they're most of what they were saying that I read was not about our morality. It was about our lack of looking like Jesus. Yeah, you or know. just like lack of empathy, uh, which we've seen a lot of the last few years. You just see a lot of like just uh, – like you said, tra- you used the word transactional before, and I really do feel like 
we've become very transactional in, uh, in the way that we treat other people, uh, be it because we see leaders doing it or we see other Christian leaders doing it. It's very like, do for me, I'll do for you. If I don't get my way, I'm going to fight you on this. Like, it's very, like you throw away the principles of Jesus. We saw that with, uh, this local pastor who's become this internet phenomenon talking about like, if you take away my first amendment rights, I'm going to meet you at the door and you'll see my second amendment rights. I'm like, Whoa, are you threatening to shoot people now? If they don't let you gather. Yeah. That was a big, yeah, yeah, I know. And he said, he said, it's not a threat. It's a, it wasn't a promise. He used (laughs) another word. I actually have it right here because that's actually screenshot on my desktop, believe it or not. That, because that affected me so He's, deeply. And that's the, the fear is that that would be normalized. He said that's a fact, not a threat. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's. And that's a pastor. That's an insane person. I'm sorry. And that, that is like a, well, what's insane is not that he said it. It's that as of at the moment, it was five hours since it had been posted. Mm-hmm. Probably retweeted. It was retweeted 946 times yeah. and liked 2,700 times <laughs> in the first five hours by Christians. And I think like, again, that, that's a, there's a, there, there, there's something to be said about having no dissonance or tension to go that. Yeah. That doesn't sound like the gospel. Of me. Yeah. There's nobody doing that. They're like, yeah, get them. Yeah. It's like, I don't, there's a guy, have you ever listened to Justin Gibney? Mm-mm. So Justin Gibney is amazing. He's, he is the founder of the and campaign. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I follow that. I follow him. Yeah. And he, you know, played football at Vanderbilt, just a brilliant guy. And, um, I'm actually speaking tomorrow on digital health. That's our message tomorrow. So we're taking one week off of our common thread series and I'm, I'm hitting some stuff pretty hard tomorrow. Um, it'll be yesterday for, for our listeners. If you want to go back and listen, you can go to, uh, I forget where you can John com <laughs> forward slash digital health. If you go to uh, church at pleasant grove.com and go oh, to our right. podcasts. Yeah. So, but he talks about opposition based public, an opposition based public witness. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that we've talked about. I call it the what abouts or the what ifs, you know, that yeah. means you can't, you can't respond to a criticism without the first words out of your mouth being about your opponent. Yeah. So it's never, it doesn't matter what you say. Someone says, but you shouldn't talk like that. And you, your next line is, yeah, but the Democrats right. or, you know, yeah, but Trump, like no matter what it is, you, whoever you're against on either side, mm-hmm. you know, the liberals, you know, the conservatives, it's always right. your behavior. Their is, morality caused you to compromise your morality and it makes it okay. Right. And there's no, yeah. And he talks about that. The opposite opposition based public witness is what he calls that or the Christian witness and how literally he just takes it down. It's a beautiful thing on his, on his podcast. You should go listen to it. Uh, it's called uh, church politics podcast Okay, and he, he takes it down. But this, that idea of we have now become opposition based in our thinking that everything, you know, he, he, his point is, is like to the point that we're no longer thinking critically about our own position. Yeah. We're only thinking critically about somebody else. Everything's about outside invaders that are coming to take away our freedoms and our position is yeah. being threatened every day. And we got to wake up or it's all going to be gone. And so, yeah, you it's never about hope. It's never when you see these when you see politicians speak, it's never hopeful anymore. It's about how someone's coming to take away something of yours and they're the ones who can protect you from that happening. Yeah. And they're the only hope. Yeah. 
Uh, otherwise, it's all going to go away. You know, if it's a Democrat, then they're talking about how the Republicans are going to come take your Social Security or whatever. And if it's a Republican, it's like, you know, we got to build a wall because they're going to come they're and, coming and they're coming to kill us, you know. And you just go, all right, well, let me see if the facts bear this out. And then you'd start doing your own research like I did this past year about how, like, how many refugees have actually committed violent crimes. Right. And it's like way lower than Americans, like yeah. crazy amount lower. And you just go, well, this doesn't really bear out. Well, why do they do it? Because it works. Opposition-based, the tactics work. Yeah. You know, it's like mudslinging. People always go, I'm going to go into this campaign. We're going to talk about what we're going to do. We're not going to talk about what the other guy hasn't done or what he has done in a negative way. We're going to be that campaign. And it, you get halfway into it, and they always end up starting slinging mud. Yep. They can't do it because it doesn't you can't work. Win. You can't yeah, win. You can't win. Right. <clears throat> uh, it's like sports and steroids. Like the steroid argument would go on for years. Oh, gosh. No one will ever admit it. They just they deny, they deny, they deny. Then when they finally retire, you hear these positive tests came out or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I used. And no one ever asked the question, why did you do it? Because the answer is because steroids work. <laughs> right. And it was worth adding the how many ever more home runs to my career because I know that's what you people care about. Yeah. You don't care if I shortened my life by five years or if I cheated the game or if I made some high school kid think that that was the way to shortcut my way to success. You don't care about that. You care about your fantasy sports league. You care about all that. And I know that's what you care about. So I just thought I'll keep this to myself. I'll make myself a few million dollars. And you become that cynical person. You know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's we're all guilty of it to some degree. Well, the cynicism, I think, out of the Christian world, we generally think of cynicism as being something that comes from a non-Christian perspective. Oh, everyone's so cynical these days. They they don't have faith. They don't have right. The truth is, and I call it being conserva woke, <laughs> like the railing against wokeness mm-hmm. by the conservatives. And again, the, why do I say stuff like this? Because, or lumping people in <clears throat> as woke when you don't even know what it really. You're you're defining your terms as your own. You know, right. you've got your own definition of what it means. Well, it's like it's like everyone wanting to call pastors who uh, are speaking out for social justice. You know, uh, they're socialists. They're, they're socialists or Marxists or whatever, or or social Marxists. Yeah. And you're like, even though, and I don't mean this mean, but the majority of people saying that probably couldn't go back and pick out a Soviet Russia on a map from the 80s like literally you know, wouldn't know where to point or couldn't couldn't really tell you the right, you know of, the principles of marxism of, right yeah. what, what did karl Mar- who was karl marx you right. know what did he really believe and or have any understanding of how again that that's one of the things in the book that i wrote recently we'll see if the editor keeps it <laughs> but this like if you go back to even martin luther king he was talking about that for them, they didn't call it being woke, but he was talking about how the conservative Christians are constantly have this irrational fear of socialism and communism to the point that anytime anyone likes like so if 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 Martin Luther King is speaking up for biblical justice, mm-hmm. he must be a Marxist or he must be a socialist and or a communist and and it comes even out of um you know all the red scares of uh, McCarthyism, right, McCarthyism all those things, but he talked about like that. That is like your excuse to not look at correct biblical justice. It's like this smokescreen, which is opposition-based thinking. All I got to do is yeah. turn Say, your mind right. to something worse than what's happening, and then we don't have to deal with right. what's happening. You're seeing right now with, with the Southern Baptists are, by the way, the Southern Baptist Convention, I mean, there is an implosion happening. Because of CRT and all that. Because yeah. the it, it was the um, 
their seminary presidents are coming out in statements against critical race theory. And so uh, lots of guys are, are posting about this. But it, someone said it like this, it, it took them 150 years to come out against slavery yeah. or racism. And they came out against CRT, something that most people who are advocating right now for racial justice from a Christian perspective are not endorsing. But they, it, it's just like, again, opposition-based thinking or boogeyman thinking is right. everybody look this way, not this way. So they don't have to deal with the fact that they're not dealing with racism on the level that, that black pastors within their own denomination are asking them to deal with or to deal with their history. Um, and I think it's such a – I think we're all guilty of it to some extent because it is easier to focus on your opponent than it is to focus upon yourself. But it is certainly – it's certainly not Christian. It, yeah. I don't mean like you're not a Christian if you do that. I'm saying like as disciples who are pursuing the ways of Christ, we got to realize that Jesus was just not opposition-based. In fact, in some ways, he ignored his opposition over and over again to the point that if it killed him, <laughs> you yeah. know, the disciples, the apostles, the early church, they, they there were times that they fled. Right. You know, but there was never a time that they took up arms. You well, know, even being in dominion to the Roman Empire as they were, which was a huge pressing issue on everyone in Jesus' day, it was almost like background noise to Jesus. Yeah. He was like, my kingdom's not of this world anyway. Just pay your taxes yeah. and make sure you're giving God his part too. Yeah. Like it was just like, this is part of what happens. You're, you're, you know, you guys are in exile here. It's what it is. Yeah. Um, well, and that's, that's the whole people using and I... People using Daniel. If Jesus was going to be a revolutionary in the traditional in the sense that we think of like that pastor's what he's tweeted, it would have looked a whole lot different. Right. Yeah, we're clearly being infringed upon. Let's all take up arms. You right. Know? And you're literally, and someone said this to me about that particular tweet, there's like, what you're saying is, because this is in Mount Juliet, mm-hmm. what you're saying is, because we know Chief Hambrick, the police chief, who's an amazing Christian man, like, this is it's a it, it it's I don't know who the guy's talking to because if anyone's going to enforce right because this is in a coronavirus context if someone's if it, by the way Tennessee is nowhere near right. ever well that's the funniest part is we can't you even can, get a mask you mandate can, right <laughs> you can say it and sound like you're being a tough guy because you know it'll never happen right they they're not going to take away the right to assemble from churches not in Tennessee so you get to be that guy that sounds like he's a tough guy yeah but you're really just a straw man it's a straw man argument yeah it is cuz like literally you're never going to have to prove it so no. you get to be like oh this guy would really fight for us there is not that i know of just by the election results i'm not sure that there is a, more than 3 liberal people living in wilson county yeah. you know what i'm saying <laughs> like like for, for by definition I need their names john <laughs> so like this idea that he's you know but it would be like you're threatening chief hambrick like you're you're right. saying if 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 the people right it's going to be ruby ridge if you come over here and you're like guys yeah. Uh, this can't be so. Again, I, I struggle because I'm not trying to call somebody out. And, you know, Andrew and I had this conversation of the day, but at some point, though, and this is Martin Luther King said this as well. Like at some point, your silence is betrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, your silence is compl- complicity with the bad things. Like I think it's okay to say, "Hey, guys, I think maybe everybody." And this is some of my message on digital health tomorrow. Like, hey, listen, we should not be liking that. Yeah. Or retweeting that. 
because that's not, that is not gospel. It's just not. I'm going to give you now eight scriptures that shows you it's not gospel. And if you disagree with that, first of all, go to your community and, and talk that out with them. And if you say, well, I don't have anybody I live life with. Well, that's your real problem. That's probably your bigger problem, first of all. Because your community, whether it's your, your giving or whether it's your marriage or whether it's your social media, all those things, like I need somebody looking at all that. There's plenty of times you and I call each other and you'll say, I got this joke. It's a little edgy. Do you think I should post this? Mm-hmm. You know, like you are seeking. Or you'll call me and go, you've already posted this <laughs> and you shouldn't. <laughs> I've never done that. But it's like a but you're saying I'm inviting yeah. a gospel filter. I'm inviting someone to tell me, "Hey, this may not be wise." I'm mm. not in, I'm not offended by that. That's what I know this is and it's a good thing for me and I trust it. Okay. If you don't have that, there's your bigger problem. And yeah. apparently lots of people in politics and in and in church don't have that. Like they're just posting with zero filter and the more they can offend they, yeah. the more effective because it gets more likes or anybody that would call them out on it is on the payroll. That's the real weird part. Yeah. And you get that in Christianity and in politics where like it's in like, for instance, Trump right now, the way he's behaving, there are people who are finally breaking ranks with him because they're like, well, he's probably gone now. I can officially say what I think about the guy. But then you have people who are like remaining loyal just in case. Cause they're like, look, I'll be, it, right. he may have a job for me. It's like, it's so gross. But, yeah. And I'm not saying it's it's left and right that the, the does this because you know it's like a whole new crew of people that come in when yeah. the new guy comes in. But some people are like, well, if he does somehow flip this thing, we can. If they flip it when they go to certify, yeah, like that again. If that doesn't happen, which I don't believe that will happen. If that doesn't happen, yeah, you gotta. I think it'll be easy. It'll be easy to overlook how fast. People now who can't gain anything from the right. White House yeah. will break ranks. And yeah, how many worry books? I mean, your head's going to spin. How many like oh, tell all tell books all are going to be like stuff, yeah. him? Yeah, but of there things people, that went on. But they were there. That was with every there, with every administration. There's always somebody that writes of unauthorized whatever. Well, but people got over all over Bolton for that because yeah. it was like not until he was gone was he willing yeah. to stand. Well, up and that's speak true. That's true, happened you know? with a lot of these guys. You're like, I wish you'd said this all under oath, but right. um, <laughs> now that you're not trying to sell a book, yeah. You can read all about how horrible he is at Barnes and Noble. Like, yeah. come on, dude. Yeah, man, help <laughs> you know? us out a little bit. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh, I think I think that's I think. But that's, I think that's happening in church culture too, where yeah. you have people. We've elevated these mega church pastors, and now it's like people have a vested interest to protect the the um, rhetoric. Yeah. So it's more important than the truth. It's like, yeah, but this is our party line. We have a we have a. a it's almost like cause. We have this cause that's bigger than the yep. overall gospel this is this is our rights are being infringed upon and it's like it's clouds everything but yeah you you have a vested interest in protecting this person so yeah nobody's nobody's in that pastor's ear going dude what are you doing because they'd be fired yeah you know which again if you get rid of all dissenting voices literally i mean i can't tell you how many times i mean that's what fascism is in essence you just yeah. you stifle anything that doesn't line up yeah. You know, and you have the power to do so, Yeah, which is, you know, we've put a lot of these pastors in that position, which stinks because they're not equipped to handle it. it. Nobody is. If Andrew fired me every time I came to him with a dissenting opinion of something that we're doing, I would have been gone right a million times over. A good leader like listens. We might fight about it, but it's it, that's the process. 
I mean, it's in marriage. If you, if you dominate to the point that you don't have, you can't take correction or say, you, you know, I think the biggest issue in marriage and in church and in politics is everyone thinks that they intend well. Yeah. And good intention trumps everything. So that's why you always say that people, you, you judge others by their actions and their words. You judge yourself by your intentions, yeah. you know, and I think that's what everyone does. Well, you know, Nixon intended well, because in his mind, he's maintaining law and order. Right. He's protecting the Republic by breaking into the Watergate right. Hotel. At all costs. The best thing for the this Democrats country. Democrats are dirty cheaters yeah. and he's got to stop them from trying to derail the election. So he yep. thought he was right. Yep. But he also broke the law and abused his power. And, and he was wrong. Literally yeah. can't see it. Yeah. There's a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs says, and its end is the way of death. Like, it doesn't mean that everything you think is right ends in death. It means you can think where you're going is perfectly right. And literally around the corner, there's a drop off that you can't see coming. And you were wrong. (laughs) It's felt so right. Or do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes, Proverbs says, there is more hope for a fool than for him. Being completely wise in your own eyes. And you look at the... I guess culture like social media is built on being wise in your own eyes. Yeah. And that's something I'm going to say glorifies it tomorrow. Yeah. It's like, Hey, listen, if you don't have the full knowledge for a full conclusion, then you shouldn't be posting publicly about it. And then you'll say, but what if, what if the information never comes or what if it takes a long time for all this to come out? Then you just might not be heard by the world and that's okay. Yeah. Like, Generations before us weren't. Yes. Just talk to people that you live life with about it. Mm. But when you go public with it, oh, just with your opinion, you just add to the confusion of the chaos and, and the unraveling of the foundations of everything. Because now uh, there's a whole other backlash to this of people, and I see this mostly among among my conservative friends as well, who when you kind of challenge something, mm-hmm. when you go, I'm not sure that's right. Like For example, and I, I said this to my wife. From the beginning of this election crisis, what I've said is what we really need is the Supreme Court to make a statement because the Supreme Court is majority conservative. Right. We need, we need the Supreme Court. People and if will, they don't air their uh, opinion, it looks like they've just ignored right. evidence to some people. They're like, oh, there was clear evidence and they just ignored it. Which that's what people think have happened. Yeah. But what people don't understand, and I'm not being ugly about it, people don't understand, I guess, judicial procedure – Enough to understand that when you bring a case to a court right. and the court looks at it and says there's not enough merit for us to even entertain a hearing on this, yeah. that is a bigger statement than them allowing That's you – That's what you call being laughed out of court. Right. Like So the Supreme Court's not like – I saw someone post this. Well, we knew the Supreme Court wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. What they're saying is like politically the yeah. court is choosing not to engage – when what really happened, but a, a lack of understanding, people don't get this. What really happened is that by the court not hearing it, they were saying it has zero merit. It's a much bigger statement than letting it come in. And there were no dissenting mm-hmm. voices on it. Nobody on the court came out to say, now, look, I thought we should hear this. It was literally unanimous. Mm-hmm. This has no legal merit. Like it was the greatest statement that could have been made, but it's not a statement. Yeah, But people don't understand how courts work. Courts are not allowed to engage something. It has to be brought to them. And then if they turn it down, they're saying it has no merit. Right. I wish the court could have written an opinion so people could have words to put with it. And a few federal judges have. Now, 
I still have to say, like, if, in case you don't know that, the Supreme Court refusing to hear this is the biggest statement it could possibly make about its legality, okay? Regardless of how we voted or didn't vote, it wouldn't matter to me if this is a Republican or a Democratic president. I'm telling you, historically, mm-hmm. what is happening, the Supreme Court has just ruled on it by not ruling. It's a big, big deal, a huge deal that, that the politicians understand, but they're not uh, they're not saying what it really is. So when you say that, though, to someone who thought the Supreme Court was just dodging this politically and 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 they go okay well that makes sense the next statement often is something like well but you know you really who can you believe nowadays yeah it's like this when you when you kind of push down one thing they come back with yeah but i guess you're right but you can't read relativism anything now and and that's not good either like this idea like no when christians put put forth that relativism is a thing that we should look at and then we're going to talk about moral absolutes and absolute truth on the other hand you can't uh, it's a complete dissonance yeah. right um and it's it's logically dissonant because the truth is and i think people are struggling with sources they don't know what to believe the truth is i mean i'm just going to say some things like if social media is your main news source you are misinformed there, there's no way around it. If social media links to a real news source, that's that's one thing. But if you're reading commentary and opinion, number two, if you're only if you're only listening to one news source, you know, you and I laughed about this before, but uh, we knew a couple guys one time that tried to make all of their future money off of one investment because they got a, a tip that seemed right on a great deal. Yeah, and they put a bunch of money into something, and it did not work out. And anybody knows the number one rule of investment when you talk to anybody is you got to diversify. You got to you got to invest across the board because nothing is a sure thing. But people are investing informationally in one source, hoping to get all. And they're finding the one that backs up their biases. Right. And and coddles them and says, you were right to have this fear because, look, I can show you more of it. Yep. Look, you were right. You were right. Yep. And people love being told they're right yeah so it's addictive well and that's it's funny that you'd say that uh let me see who said it i wrote this down uh oh this is also justin gibney <laughs> sorry listen to a lot of him this week he's where i get all my news by the way conspiracy theories always sound crazy coming from the other side but they often seem more plausible and even comforting when they fit our own narrative they're convenient when we don't want to deal with reality and so it's convenient. If you hear a thing that already justifies what you already believed and it, like the best thing to do would be to listen to all the sources yeah. and find what within them. This is just, by the way, this is just logic 101 or philosophy 101. If you want to know, like in a, in a, this is what we talk about with biblical sources. If you want to know what really happened, if you if you'd like, OK, struggle to know if the historical Jesus exists. OK, was Jesus really a historically a person? OK. Then I would go to the Bible one. I would use it. It says he does. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But they could have written that. Okay, great. That, that, that's a valid point. Maybe someone in your mind, you're saying someone wrote that. That's a valid philosophical approach to say that could have been doctored. Then I would also go to the historical sources like Roman authorities, people who did not believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I would go and read what they said about Jesus. And if they said if they said uh, there was a carpenter from Nazareth, and this is what I did say. Uh, whose followers who the the the, the, 
Roman Empire executed and his followers insist that he has been resurrected and they're a pain basically to all of us because they're they're spreading this around like wildfire. Okay. If you put if you put those two narratives together, mm-hmm. then you can begin to to find out where they agree and it's almost irrefutable proof at that point because if the enemy of it said that this happened, even if they're refuting its veracity in terms of they're not saying they're not saying they agree that Jesus was resurrected. They're saying that a bunch of people are saying that Jesus was resurrected. But you know what? No one's disputing that Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. So if your point of that whole thing was, is there a historical Jesus that lived, then why would a Roman source ever be doctored who's trying to disprove Jesus' resurrection? So by their disproving of his resurrection, they're proving just by stating it that at least we know that he lived. Mm-hmm. So we can do that same process to go now after his resurrection or other things. But if you want to know historical Jesus, did he exist? Well, I mean, for me, you take both sources and you find out what no one's disputing. Same thing today. You should take a liberal source and a conservative source, however you want to do it. And you'll find and one of the best ways to know that is, is what did they quote? What did they quote that no one's disputing? Trump said this quotation. I get a, most of my viewpoints from what I read or hear him say on a video. You, you can, if you can, whatever that opinion may be, yeah. at least it's going to be accurate from his own words. And yeah. I think the same thing. You, you can go to Biden and read his speech or, or, or read what he said. Mm-hmm. Don't just take someone telling you, whether it's, whether it's conservative or liberal, don't just take someone telling you that this is what he said. Go find out what he said and try to interpret it and use multiple sources and then extrapolate from those sources the things that no one is disputing. And you'll at least have the basis of what we used to call news. Right. Or journalism. It's the thing that nobody's disputing because it's it, you know, all the commentary, however you feel about it, how you interpret it, whether you disagree with it, agree with it. That's fine. You're, that is the freedom that you have. You get to decide that. But people no longer know how to find what the base part of it is that's, that is indisputable so that they could have confidence. So when we say, oh, you can't believe anything you hear today, here today, that's not true. That's that's actually a that someone's manipulating you into saying that that whole point was so funny is, you know, you can't believe anything you hear today except except that, for the stuff that I believe, except yeah. for the someone who told you you can't believe whatever you hear today, yeah. wherever that came from. Right. Why did you believe them? Right. If you can't believe anything you hear. today? Well, that's the yeah, there used to be a thing like if people that say there's no absolute truth, you're making a that is a, an you're absolute rendering. Statement. Yeah, you're rendering an absolute statement <laughs> yeah. that renders your other statement uh, ineffective. Yeah. yeah. When you start pulling at the threads of things, you know, you will eventually eventually find something at the bottom. I think that's a mixed metaphor there. But it, mm. if, if you <laughs> wait, when I pull at the thread of a oh, man, 2021 is already exhausting. It's going to be great. It's old. It's old Lang Syne. Is it? Johnny. John, uh, what did I was going to ask you this before we go. What? Because I was thinking about Christmas presents because I got to get presents for my niece, uh-huh. my nieces. And it's fun shopping for them. That's what makes Christmas makes Christmas so fun is you want to see how they react to their presents uh-huh. and stuff. But I have a hard time remembering like Christmas presents that I got. They were such a big deal when you're a kid. Yeah. I hope I get this. I hope they get that. But like, do you remember a great Christmas present that you got? I do. What did you get? You're going to laugh. Uh, an Atari 2600. Oh, I did get one of those. Did you really? Because yeah. we're five years apart, so I figured it'd be gone. You get a Nintendo by the time you were. I got one of those too. I don't remember if it was Christmas. How old were you got an Atari though? I don't know. 
I don't know. I have no five? recollection. Everything between wanna, five and 12. I think I was 10 or 11 when I got an Atari and it blew my mind. Yeah. It's all the same for me between five and 12. I don't really have a lot of recollection, Interesting. but probably my favorite Christmas present of all mm-hmm. Red Rider BB gun. Really? Oh yeah. The Red Rider. The Red Rider. Yep. Which is Did great. Did the movie come first or the Red Rider come as a marketing ploy? I'm going to guess Red Rider came as a marketing ploy That's after the great. movie. So. What a great idea. Yep. Sadie and I watch the movie every year. It still happens in movies, by the way. Not just toys, you know, like the Baby Yoda toy or whatever. I mean, they do it on purpose. I remember the, the one I remember is because they were watching Home Alone 2 uh-huh. with my niece. And she was she loves it. You know, she loves it as much as the first one. And lost in New York, whatever. And he's got that little recorder device that ends up being a huge plot point. Yeah. Because he's recording and playing back and foiling the bad guys and foiling the hotel staff. And I was like, you know, because I was telling my niece, you know, this was like the toy of that year. Because all the kids thought they could, you know, get into hijinks like Kevin if they had this toy. And it was a $40 or $50. It's It's a tape recorder. Yep. But it could fast forward and record and play on the fly like that. And everybody wanted one, and it, there's always that thing of like, am I being am I being sold a product here? Like, is this that the one that was like a looked like a, a little satellite dish? That you, no, I had, he held it. It was handheld, but you could had quick access to the buttons and stuff. And he would because he was, I found our home videos. I came out of the house yeah. with remember the headphones with yeah. the listening device. Like, oh, yeah, like okay. a little, like no, a little, that's not that. Okay. You had a whole. You were the NFL films guy. You yeah. were listening to the <laughs> sideline talk of the coach. Oh yeah. <laughs> Our, yeah, no. But Red, no, what were you saying you got? So you got, what was your favorite? Red Rider BB Red Gun. Red Rider BB Gun, because which was a Christmas story. Yeah. And you didn't shoot your eye out, obviously. No. Both. It's amazing, they, though. We yeah. shot a lot of things. And did you shoot at people? How long did you have it before you were like, I bet I could shoot at my brother with this? Uh, That's a very boy thing. We would go out in the woods and, and shoot at all kinds of things, but I, I don't... There's always those videos, and again, I'm not. we get into weird gender politics sometimes, but I do think... Like when you watch these videos of like, this is why women live longer than men. And you see like a, a, there's a video of two boys standing over a trash can where you push the thing and the metal lid comes up and one is hitting the lid and smacking the other kid who's four or five in the head. And they laugh every time, (laughs) bing, and it makes the loudest noise right in the head. Boom, boom, boom. And the kid's just laughing. And I'm like, it's true. I've never seen a video of girls doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Although... I'm sure it's going to happen more because you're just seeing more tomboy, the, more the advent of like TikTok videos. Not just that. I causes, think it's well, superhero films. You know, p- girls are being uh, you know projected into these roles of like I'm the hero. I'm the so we're going to see more of them at skate parks. We're going to see more. Oh, sure. I'm not trying to again project because I don't have children, so I don't even know. Maybe there's like I know when I go to the skate park, it's a lot of boys. Yeah, trying very dangerous crap. Yeah, and very few girls. But yeah. I know there's girls out there that are like, put the knee pads on me. Let's get out there. Let's go. Let's sure. go break my skull. When I skateboard, I never wore knee pads. Didn't but, you? Yeah. No. I, I couldn't I couldn't stay up on a skateboard. It's I'm amazing so I didn't break way more bones. I didn't break bones until you and I were playing basketball later in life. But um, yeah. But I did a lot of dumb things. Like a lot of dumb things. I, I've sprained very badly both ankles at one time playing basketball with you guys one time. Remember that? <laughs> I do. Diving for a ball it was slick after a rain, yeah. and we're playing the next day, so the grass is wet. I go diving for a ball and grab it, plant it on one leg, sprained it, went to, because you immediately put your other foot down. Sprained it. Sprained that. <laughs> so then I had to, like, hobble back on two sprained ankles. They were both black and blue for oh, weeks. Gosh. And, uh, yeah. 
Were you down there the day I broke it? You were not, I think. I broke it. I had a, uh, wasn't it called a evulsion fraction? Is that a, a fracture? Is that a evulsion? thing? I don't know. I'm making up a word here. Maybe. Sure. It's what where does the, that mean? It's where the tendon. Oh, it pulls loose from the bone, pulled, right? Pulled loose a chip from the bone, yeah, basically. Yeah. I don't know how it heals evulsion itself. Evulsion sounds... Right. It sounds terrifying. It was horrible. But the guys were like, no, it's fine. You just sprained it. Here, stick it down in this. And I had one of those water coolers. Stick it in this cooler of ice, <laughs> which I hate cold as oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. And my foot would barely fit in it because I have kind of a big foot. And so it was way worse, the pain. I, I, when I put my foot down in there, I, I, I turned over and threw up like it hurt so bad. Uh, <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was broken. So, But, uh, what but the BB do? gun, you were fine. BB gun was fine. Yeah. I remember getting a TV for my room when I was a teenager, and I thought it was the coolest because we had the family TV set. Yeah. And then I got a 19-inch television for my room. Your mom let you have a TV in your room. And it blew my mind. Wow. That I could watch Nick at night in my room. At and, night. At night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after my bedtime. Wow. My mom would let me watch the monologue for, like, I, I had a pretty, my mom was pretty, uh, she was pretty... She was pretty progressive in some ways and not in other ways. She was very legalistic in some ways and very like the rules were important and doing the right thing was important. But then every now and again, she she liked our company and she liked letting us stay up sometimes. So she'd be like, yeah, you can stay up. So she let me stay up to like 1130 and watch like Johnny Carson's monologue. Wow. So like I loved watching like, OK, what's he going to talk about tonight or what jokes from the news? Because I, I didn't even know he had writers back then. You're just a kid. Right. You're like, how does he come up? With you don't know. He's got, he's got 100 <laughs> people submitting like 10 <laughs> jokes each or whatever. Right. But yeah, it's uh, so, yeah, she would let us do that. So that was a big deal. A TV and of course, video games are such a big deal when you're a kid because you just want to part of it's like wanting to be in on it with other kids, too. You're like, did you get this new game? Yeah. And they're, you know, talk about it. You're like, yeah, dude, combat. Remember the combat with the tanks? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Remember, uh, I'm trying to think of all the names. If Matt Well, Stewart, you were a Galaga guy. I was a Galaga guy still. Uh, Matt Stewart sent me from, he was he was with family at Christmas, and they had a Galaga game. And uh, they had the Galaga game, and I was like, dude, you know, his dad had brought it for the kids. Yeah. Like, I would have just spent hours. So I just... Those now I just grew out video games not a thing for me anymore. But I just don't. Uh, I got a gift this year. Okay, my brother. Uh, he's two for two. He's a good gift giver. Wow. I had no idea. Okay, because you know, like when you give gifts for your family, you're like here's a gift card. You trade gift cards. You know, when you get to be a grump, you're like here's a gift. I don't know. Yeah. Here, and I don't get offended. I like gift cards. I really yeah, do. I'm great with it. But my brother for my birthday got me an Apple Watch. Him and uh, my sister in law last uh, year. Uh, this is for my birthday this year. A birthday, yeah, birthday. Yeah. Gotcha. So I got an Apple Watch, and it's totally. I love it so much, and I never wore a watch ever, but I love it, and it's really helped me with running and all this stuff. You can put my songs on there. I don't have to carry my phone in my pocket. Love it. So that one's like game changer. Love the Apple Watch. This year, because they come stay with us every Christmas. Yeah, a couple times a year he'll come stay. Thanksgiving, stay a couple days. So we can, we open it up, and it is a uh, robot vacuum. One oh, of these yeah. robot vacuums. It's I want to say it's it's not a Roomba. It's a shark brand. Shumba. It's a Shumba. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Fumba. And I'm like, all right, well, this feels a little passive aggressive. I know there's a lot of dog hair in here, but come on, you know. <laughs> but then we fire this thing up once we got Wi-Fi back because after the bombing there was no Wi-Fi. So then we get Wi-Fi back and you program this thing and it learns your house. And I'm like, all right, but it's going random. It's so random. It turns around. It goes diagonal. I'm like, this is never going to get everything. 
we let this thing go for an hour, there's no hair in my house. Wow. Zero hair. Wow. It's crazy. Game changer. Mm. So, B, if you're listening. Well done. I don't care if it was a passive-aggressive move. I know that when my niece played in the floor, uh, she would come up and there were. It looked like she's wearing an Angora sweater. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, I'm not proud of it. But we just have dogs in the house that shed, and that's it is what it is in my house. Yeah. We vacuum when we can. It, it, it piles up. We vacuum again. This thing, I push a button on my phone right now, and it's going to spook my wife. She's going to. It'll start vacuuming right now. Wow. While she's at home. Do it. And it'll scare her, and I'll get a text. What are you doing? Stop it. But it's great. So I have a robot butler now. Well, that's great. I'm a little spoiled. Are you going to name him? We did. You have to name it in the thing. You name it in the app. What'd you name it? I named it Sucks to Be Me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, We got one of those. uh, It is a mop and vacuum together. La-di-da. You got the robot mop. No, it's not a robot. A mop bot. It's not not a robot. You're you're still the robot. Oh, I see. I'm still the mindless robot. Because they make a Roomba that cleans up spills and stuff, too. Yeah, this is, though, still manual. Okay. But literally, because we vacuum the hardwood and then have to mop the hardwood, I use a steamer. thing? So it does both. Like it steams and mops. Sorry, steams and vacuums at yeah. the same time. Oh, Johnny. well. So that's taking two steps down to Bro, one. For all the people that act like this is the worst time to ever live, you're yeah. just blowing it. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You load your dishes into a machine that does them for you. You got laundry machines. You got, we. if we get a toothache, we don't have to go get leeches put on it. I mean, I'm saying like, think they, about medieval times. They got leeches put on Every, their teeth? Everything was leeches, bro. <laughs> If you said, oh, I got this pain in my arm, leeches. And if you were like, I don't, I got this horrible gash on my leg, leeches. Hey, I'd like the same property and voting rights as a man. She's a witch. And then <laughs> leeches, leeches. They put leeches on you and then burn you at the stake. Wow. Um, but That's, anyway, it yeah, so dark. T- what I'm saying is it's a great time to be alive. <laughs> it is. And we're blowing it. We're, we're complaining constantly yeah. just because of a little pandemic that, you know, took away all of our freedom, but it's going to get better. It's going to get better, John. <laughs> it is. Um, I hope it gets better. Here's the thing. 2021 is going to be our year, bud. Even if 2021, yeah. if it gets better, we still have to, I'm saying this, I don't mean this to be tongue in cheek. Like people have to get better too. Yeah. Like, oh, we wow. can't, we can't this stay is... in the way we acted in 2020. Like we're going to have to choose a little more grace and reasonability and stimulus checks. You know Wait. what? No. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, let your gentleness be known. Gentleness in the Amplified is let your reasonableness, tolerance, kindness, let those things be known to everybody. Like, we're going to have to, no matter what happens this year, for God's sake, let me be better than I was in 2020, whether it's my worry or my anger, all those kinds of things. I'm so, going to be way better at worrying. Are you? <laughs> yeah. You, you don't even want You're so out. much more responsible than the rest Record of us. Record time. <laughs> Record time on worry. Zero to worry in 2.2 seconds. Oh, my goodness. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening today. We're, we we did take the last week of December off, so thank you guys for being patient and not having an episode last week. Um, they, you didn't have an episode when we didn't have an episode. 
<laughs> That's right. And we appreciate it. Yeah, we had a quarantine uh, situation again in our house. Uh, so thank God no one has gotten sick, but there was an exposure. So we're past all the time now, but that we kind of just took that week off and I cleaned my garage, like we said. So uh, did a few other things. Exposed so, yourself to some chores. That's right. That's right. But uh, send us uh, topics or thoughts for the new year uh, that you guys are having and uh, go leave us reviews. Appreciate all the great reviews that have been coming in and, uh, you know, help us to spread the word as we start into, I don't know, what is this, year four or five? I'm not sure how many years it's been. 17 years. Well, 17 years. So <laughs> We were the first podcast. That's right. Uh, well, you know. And uh, you can go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com to find out more information about our podcast, how to support us on Patreon. There's all kinds of things you can do uh, to be a part of it. Appreciate you guys who reach out and, and give us great things to talk about. It means a lot to us. Uh, Johnny, uh, you should go follow him on all of his socials. He's a fun follower. Follow me, and uh, we're starting to put bookings together for the new year, believe it or not. So if you'd like to, for me to come tell jokes at your event, uh, or I do virtual events too. So if, you want, if you're still wanting to keep it safe and do a virtual event yeah. for a while, that's fine. I can be contacted, johnnyw.com. Yeah. You should check out Johnny's Dry Bar special. Oh, my Dry Bar special is on the app now. Yep. That's right. So, yeah. and make sure you give it a little heart. Give it a heart. Yeah. Yeah, if you have a heart, give a heart. Mm, mm, beautiful. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for joining us on this inaugural uh, 2021 episode. Then we'll see you next week on Talk About That. life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.